the learning hack is supported by a new spring, the platform that puts the learner first, shaping journeys that help individuals learn faster and perform better. Access intelligent technology, profound insights and a unique network of like-minded pioneers. And if you're a trainer or training provider looking to succeed in this fast-changing market, their free ebook will show you how putting the learner first is the key to winning. Download it now at anewspring.com slash learnerfirst. That's anewspring.com slash learnerfirst. It was a tough case. A major training initiative lying dead on the floor. Where was the evidence? There was no evidence. Only one guy could solve us. The L&D detective. Welcome to The Learning Hack, a podcast about the people and technologies that are creating the future of learning. I'm John Helmer. Now, guess what? Learning is cool. Learning is cool. Learning is fun. Knowledge is power. Knowledge. Education. Yes, we're back for a brand new season of The Learning Hack, our ninth. And we're kicking off with an absolute corker. An interview with a guy who has done perhaps more than any other hands-on L&D professional to champion the cause of forensic evaluation of training impact. He calls himself the L&D detective. Kate Fitzgerald, head of fact, give us his charge sheet. Hack facts. Kevin M. Yates is a training consultant based in Chicago who specialises in the measurement and evaluation of learning impact. He has held key roles at companies including Meta, McDonald's and Chicago Tribune Media Group. In his spare time, he runs a non-profit, Meals in the Meantime, that helps people who need food in underserved communities with free, fresh, healthy grocery bags at pop-up food pantries. I'm coming up to a quarter century in the learning industry and over a hundred podcast interviews. And in all that time, people have consistently been telling me that companies just don't evaluate learning enough. Kevin is one of those leading the charge on learning measurement, and I was really pleased to be able to speak to him. I wanted to know if things are getting any better and if AI is having an influence. We talked about differences in the culture around learning measurement between the various sectors he's worked in. Above all, given his most recent corporate post at Meta, I wanted to know whether the tech sector is any more willing to evaluate than the rest. So, Kevin, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome to The Learning Hack. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Kevin, you style yourself as the L&D detective, which seems to suggest that some sort of misdemeanor has taken place. <laughs> There's a body on the slab somewhere, a tent in someone's front garden, people in the, the, the Haschem suits in attendance. So what is it that you're detecting and how would you characterize the forces ranged against you in doing that? That's a great question. Th- thank you so much for asking. And and I would say not so much uh, that there's a misdemeanor um, as there is a mystery to solve. And and that kind of explains the L&D detective theme, right? So very similar to Sherlock Holmes, who solved murder mysteries, I, as the L&D detective, solve measurement mysteries. So the work that I am engaged in is collecting facts and clues and evidence and data 
that shows the extent to which training and learning is fulfilling its purpose. So in a context, I investigate training and learning's fulfillment of purpose, and I investigate uh, measurement mysteries. And so that explains the whole theme of, of being a detective. Does that make sense? Well sidestepped there, any potential negative, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but but it, it, it works very well, right? Because, you know, all jokes aside, when, when I am measuring the impact of training and learning, it very much is solving a mystery, right? Because more often than not, we don't have the facts, the evidence, and the data, and the clues that show the extent to which learning is effective and the extent to which training and learning did what it was supposed to do. So, you know, me being a detective essentially means I'm just gathering facts, clues, and evidence to help people have a credible way in which to tell stories about the extent to which training and learning is measurably impacting human performance, behavior, actions, and ultimately organization goals. So before we dive into that, let's take a step back. How did you get your start in learning and what experiences moved you towards involvement with learning measurement? Another good question. Um, I have to go way back in my history. <laughs> But because my my work in, in learning uh, started in a classroom in traditional public education, teaching second graders. Um, and then I did a little bit of teaching in high school as well. And, and so that is where I discovered a passion for education and, and teaching and learning. And ultimately, that led to roles where I shifted from traditional classroom education to corporate training. Uh, that ultimately led to roles in facilitation and instructional design and curriculum development and learning operations, learning administration, leadership development. And then most recently over the past 10 or so years, I have been very focused on impact analytics and measurement. So my career in training, learning and talent development has been quite an interesting trajectory. You know, again, as I said, starting in, in a traditional classroom and then moving into corporate. I'm very fortunate uh, that I have worn many hats and have worked in many industries and have served in many different roles. Uh, the industries include most recently social media, uh, fast food, um, advertising, marketing, just some wonderful, incredible experiences. Speaking generally about uh, corporate learning, which is where you are now, uh, about our industry, where are we on learning measurement? Uh, what is holding it back? Because we hear the cry continually that people don't evaluate enough. Um, what still needs to be done? Yeah, you know, I, I think that there is um, there's some history um, that we continue to carry with us that is, in essence, baggage that prevents us from moving forward, right? So on a lot of levels, some of the traditional ways in which we think about measurement and the ways in which we conduct measurement are based on our history and how we've thought about it and how we've executed on it. And I think that in a lot of ways that holds us back. Um, we struggle with letting go of some of those habits and some of those mindsets. And, and to be a bit more specific, when I say habits, I mean, we think about the impact of training and learning after we have created and designed our training and learning solutions, when we should really be thinking about that proactively. Um, I also believe that we are stuck with traditional measures, right? So we continue to rely very heavily on consumption metrics and utilization metrics and participation and attendance and modality and hours of training completed, right? Uh, those give us insight into what I like to call learning operations, but not so much learning impact. 
So to bring it full circle back to your question, like what's holding us back? Uh, I think that what's holding us back is ourselves. <laughs> you know, the, the traditions of how we measure and traditions for how we think about measurement seem to have a tight grip on our practices and a tight grip on our mindset and our methodology. So I believe that there is a shift. I do see where there are training and learning organizations and practitioners who are thinking very differently about measurement. And that gives me hope and quite candidly gets me very excited because I know that we can do a much better job. And I'm seeing where people are very interested in doing a better job. So while some of that baggage of our history kind of holds us down, I'm also seeing a lot of opportunities. Do you think it's true to say that we, we've got more ability to measure now nowadays or, or we've got more data? You know, for a long while, all people had was what came out of the SCORM package. Uh, yeah. Now we seem to have a lot more more cases. Is, is that really the case, do you think? I think it is the case. And you raise a very good point, right? So I want to be kind and empathetic to our community, right? Because you touched on something there. Um, what we've had ready access to is data and measurement that comes from our learning management systems, our LMSs, right? That data is easy to get. It's easy to capture. It's easily accessible. Um, and we do what's easy, right? To your point, you know, fast forward to 2023 and beyond, we have access to a more robust kind of data set that goes above and beyond the data that we have in our learning management systems. We have access to organization data and people performance data. And when we connect the dots between our training and learning solutions and people data and organizational performance data, we're able to tell much more credible, reliable stories about the impacts of training and learning. With that greater amount of data around, does that kind of bring us to a point where, I know for years people were frustrated with not having enough data. Now suddenly they're slightly awash in it. Does this bring to the fore the question of what we can actually measure in learning? Um, for instance, are there valuable and necessary activities that we have to do to make learning happen, but which can't be measured? What, what can we measure? What can't we measure? What shouldn't we measure? Well, I'm going to go with that last piece, right? Because you, you asked or stated, you know, what shouldn't we measure? And I would say we shouldn't try to measure everything. I, I, I've not seen any organizations that have the time, the inclination, or the resources in order to measure the impact of every training and learning solution. I, I don't know that there's any value in doing that. I believe that we should invest our time, our energy, our resources, and our talents in measuring those training and learning solutions that have intention, purpose, and specificity for impacting and influencing and contributing to human performance and ultimately organization goals and organization outcomes, right? So I don't believe that we should try to boil the ocean. I believe we need to be very intentional and deliberate with what we measure and why we measure. Um, I believe that we should be focused on those training and learning solutions that have a direct tie and connect to people's performance. And then that just manages expectations, right? Because again, we shouldn't be trying to measure everything. At least I don't believe we should. And I do believe that we should be really focused on measuring results from those training and learning solutions that are designed specifically to impact and influence uh, human performance. It's interesting. You mentioned three things there, intention, purpose, and specificity. Uh, yeah. That leapt out, leapt out to me as like three bullet points on a PowerPoint. It seems quite <laughs> an important kind of set of criteria. Could you give examples of uh, types of training that have intention, purpose, and specificity, and others perhaps that don't, that aren't worth measuring? 
Yeah. And, and I think that I'll actually explain those that don't when I explain those that do. <laughs> okay. So when you think about intention, specificity and purpose, right? So when I think about intention, that means that there is a deliberate idea for how training and learning will measurably influence human performance and ultimately business goals and business results. So that means that we aren't training for the sake of training. Intention means that we have an idea, a scope, a focus for why we're designing, for what we're designing, and the way in which what we're designing will influence people's behavior, actions, performance, and ultimately organization goals and organizational outcomes. So that's the intention, right? The specificity comes with being narrowly focused on key behaviors, key skills, uh, key areas of performance, right? So when we are specific, we identify and describe what those key behaviors are, what those key, what those key skills are, and what performance looks like. Um, some people might say that that kind of sounds like a job description or a role description. That might be a good place to start. Um, but again, if you're thinking about being specific, you want to have a North Star, if you will, for the areas of performance that you want to impact with your training and learning solutions. And then purpose says to me that when we combine all that I've just talked about, we then come up with a training and learning solution that has a purpose, that has meaning, uh, that has a charge, if you will. So the three of them play very nicely together, intention, specificity, and purpose. And I believe that if you start with intention, specificity, uh, and purpose before you design your training program, before your training program is designed and launched and utilized and consumed, then you are in a much better position to measure the impact of training and learning. What I find quite often is impact is an afterthought, right? So the training and learning solution is designed, and then the question is asked, well, what was the impact? And my follow-up question to that is, well, what was the intended impact? What was the intention, the specificity and the purpose, right? So if you have all of that knowledge and information up front, it's going to be so much easier to measure the impact of training and learning. Hmm. But being the detective tends to feel like you will get brought in a bit after the fact. Yeah, that that's the story of my life. Um, <laughs> and I get it. I get it, right? Because again, you know, going back to that traditional mindset that we talked about, um, when impact is an afterthought, you aren't going to be as successful trying to measure results. When impact is a forethought and you've already defined what impact looks like proactively, you already know what you're chasing after. You already know what you're looking for. And so that's when measuring the impact of training becomes less difficult and more possible. I'm going to ask a, a potentially a a difficult question here. I'd, I'd like to back right. if you can. If, Bring it on. <laughs> if, if, if you say there, there are bits of trading around, there must be from what you say that don't have intention, purpose, and and so on. There are bits of training that we can't really measure. Is a piece of training we can't remeasure really worth doing in the first place? Or is that to blanket a kind of condemnation of a lot of the training that gets done? Yeah, and I, I think that what you're asking is the extent to which there may be some training and learning solutions where we can't measure the impact. So let me kind of create a scenario here. I believe that impact is as you define it, if that makes sense. It didn't make sense coming out of my mouth, but the essence of what I'm saying is um, for however you define impact, then that's what impact is, 
right? So let's say, for example, you define impact as training the entire organization on a topic, right? And the way in which you're going to measure impact is the extent to which people have completed a training program. So that means that um, completion is impact for how you design it in that sense. Meaning, if as far as you want to go with measuring impact is that you expect that everyone in the organization will complete the training, then impact is measured and defined by 100% completion, right? So that means that that's as far as you're going to go in terms of how you measure impact for that particular solution. Now, let's say that you define impact as the extent to which training and learning measurably contributes to human performance, say leadership development, where you want training and learning to improve leaders' ability to, say, uh, support their employees with their career path or their career growth, right? Which means that leaders need to have acumen for having the right kind of conversations, for um, you know, supporting employees, knowing how to connect employees with resources and such so that they can advance their careers. That's a very different type of measurement, and that's a very different way in which to define impact. Because in that example that I just gave, we defined impact with some very specific behavioral outcomes for leaders in terms of what they would be able to do as a result of training and learning, right? So there is a range of, how do we say, impact and outcomes, how you define it, how you measure it, how you investigate it. So on the one end, you may go no further than describing impact as attendance or participation or utilization. And if that is as far as you want to go, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There may also be times where you define impact as the extent to which training and learning um, contributes to leaders' behavior and capability with supporting employees in their career journeys. So that's a very higher level way in which to be thinking about impact. And that's going to be a bit more complicated when it comes to measuring impact. But even though it's complicated, it's still possible. So hopefully that gave you an example of two different types of ways in which you can define impact, how far you want to go with it in terms of how you define it, and then ultimately how you're going to measure it. It's a very pragmatic approach, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and I think it all starts with telling the truth. So kind of going back to that same example, if as far as you're going to go with measuring air quote impact is consumption, utilization, participation, and attendance, tell the truth about that. So don't say that you're going to try to measure behavioral outcomes for training and learning solution where there is intention and specificity and purpose only for consumption, utilization, participation, and attendance. Tell the truth about that, right? If there is intention for measuring the extent to which training and learning is measurably contribu contributing to or influencing um, performance, behavior, and actions, then tell the truth about that. But make sure that you're telling the truth up front about what you're going to measure and how you're going to measure it. It's interesting because very often these conversations, you get into these rather judgy kind of things about, well, we don't assess things properly and it's just a sheet dip and a, and a box tick. But I think what you're, what you're summing up there is a very, as I say, quite pragmatic approach to the way that organizations use corporate training and uh, especially with uh, compliance, of course, sometimes it yes. is a matter of the organization needs to record the fact that it has told you this stuff that you have to know. It doesn't necessarily involve behavior change, just right. you know this stuff you're supposed to do. You didn't do it, then that's on you. And I, you know, I, I suppose in, in um, a lot of situations, that's fair enough. I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 
The Learning Hack podcast is supported by Learning News, the learning sector's newswire. Rob and his team are good friends of the podcast, and we really value the help and advice we've had from them, and they do a great job. For the very latest news from around the learning sector, for interviews with learning leaders, the latest from learning sector vendors and features on workplace learning, go to learningnews.com. Let's dig into um, the tools you might use where you need to uh, measure learning. There are a lot of models for learning measurement, as you know. I, I, I did a piece a while ago where I kind of uh, looked up all the models I could find about measuring learning, and it went on for pages and pages. Most <laughs> people will know about the, the Kirkpatrick four levels. Um, there's also Phillips, who added a fifth in ROI. Uh, there's Brinkerhoff. Thalheimer, I'm just mentioning a few of the best known, but there are many others. Yeah. Cheese or are the most valuable models, model or models as far as you're concerned? I believe they're all valuable. Um, and the good news is that I have what I like to call cut and paste <laughs> from each one of those models, actually, that you've just talked about. And, and many of those models uh, come from practitioners and professionals and, and, and thought leaders whom I know personally which is pretty awesome for me, right? So I, I don't believe that one is better than the other. Um, I believe that as a measurement community, you know, so when I think about the Kirkpatrick's and Jack and Patty Phillips and Will Thalheimer and Brinkenhoff and so many others who are doing amazing, great work in the measurement industry, I think that what we're all trying to do is help training, learning and talent development professionals get an answer to what is the impact of training and learning. So when I think about the models that are out there, I've actually borrowed um, a little bit from each one, right? A little bit from each one has helped me be successful. Um, and, and so that is why I believe that they're all doing great work. Um, they all have different perspectives. And I think that that's totally fine. Uh, for me, I don't believe that I would be as successful as I am today with measuring impact were it not for some of those models that you just described. Um, I think that, you know, again, for me, it's taking the best of the best um, and bringing it into my wheelhouse, so to speak, um, and then using um, some of my own experience, some of my own thinking, uh, some of my own methodology, and using that to uh, create the way in which I conduct impact investigations and the way in which I measure the impact of training and learning. So I think that there's something good that you can take away from each one of those models. You've worked in a number of different sectors. Um, does the business of learning measurement vary much? You know, there, there is the way that learning varies from one sector to another, you know, kind of retail, military and so on. Yeah. Uh, but does the business of learning measurement vary much between different sectors? In particular, you worked fairly recently for the world's largest social media company. I'm slightly biting my lip here because I'm really fascinated to know what that was like. What, what are the differences and can you reflect a bit on your most recent experience with sector? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, my most recent experience was with um, the world's largest social media company uh, where I was measurement principal. And, you know, I would say that of all the experiences that I've had in my career, uh, particularly those that have been directly related to me measuring impact, that experience impacted me more so than any other organization in which I've worked. And I believe what it did for me is give me reason to pause 
to think about the process of measuring impact and to take a more truth-based um, approach and also take an approach that is focused on what is actionably achievable versus idealistically aspirational. Um, there were some things that I believe to be true about measuring the impact of training and learning that I discovered are not, are not true uh, based on that experience of being measurement principal in this company that we're talking about. And that has helped me be more transparent. Um, it has helped me take a more um, honest approach to measuring the impact of training and learning. It has helped me tell the truth. And part of that truth is sometimes we're able to measure the impact of training and learning, and sometimes we're not. I believe that by telling the truth about that, we manage expectations for ourselves as training, learning, and talent development professionals, but we also manage expectations for our business partners and our stakeholders by knowing what we should chase after in terms of what we're trying to measure and what we should probably not chase after because the answer is there is no answer. In terms of what I'm seeing across organizations, and, and I love that you asked me that question because I'm just kind of reflecting and, and thinking about the, the different types of organizations in which I've worked and how the dynamics of particular types of industries impact <laughs> how we measure impact, right? And so what I would say to that is, based on what I have seen working in different industries over the past, gosh, 20 plus years, and thinking about what measurement means, I think that the methodology is the same. Meaning the methodology is be very clear about how training and learning is intended to influence and contribute to human behavior, human performance, and ultimately organization goals. That doesn't change across organizations, business to business. What may change is the type of data that you have access to, the type of data tools that you have access to, um, and the sophistication of an organization in terms of its data journey, the way in which it is measuring and the way in which it is capturing key performance indicators to give signals for people performance and business performance. So I think that, you know, again, there are some core methodologies that are the same across industries. I think that where you're going to see some variation and difference in terms of measuring impact is level of uh, maturity and where you are on that measurement journey. Um, and again, just with my last experience, you know, again, with the social media company, you know, what I took away from that is probably what's going to help me be so successful going forward. And that is being clear about what we can measure and being clear about what we can't measure. Coming back to that theme. Yeah. With social media, particularly, um, it, what kind of interests me there is that, you know, it's a big data company in in more traditional data settings, you would have, you know, some activity generates the data, you do an analysis on the data, you draw some inferences, you have a plan, uh, what to do, um, acting on that data, you put the plan into action. Now with algorithm driven sort of uh, data environments like social media, the, the response is instant and automated. So you know, the, the the algorithm will see certain people are interested in a certain thing. You know, Nigel Farage and his bank bank accounts get people's aerated, get people aerated. So yet we pile in and, and give people more stuff about that subject. So we're kind of closing the gap between data gathering and action based on that and an and analysis in an algorithm driven kind of in, environment. 
does that have any effect on the your your your, your view of measurement as far as learning goes? It, it, yeah, it's new, yeah. Like you say no to, but yeah, no. I, I was just going to say I'm not seeing a direct connection for the way in which we think about algorithms and measuring the impact of training and learning. Right. So let's kind of think about algorithms and let's think about it broadly and generally across say social media platforms right so you know algorithms work in such a way where for example you click on an advertisement in say a social media platform that maybe is an advertisement say for pots and pans Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that means that based on you clicking on that advertisement for pots and pans that going forward you're going to see more advertisement for pots and pans because somehow some way that algorithm algorithm says hey uh, he's interested in pots and pans, so let's show him more of that, right? I mean, that's just a very baseline level um, description of how algorithms are working in social media. They work in other ways as well. So, for example, if you click on an article, um, say, on a social media platform that is about measuring the impact of training and learning, it's going to be more than likely that you're going to start to see more of that, right, in your social media feed. So when I think about algorithms and its potential play into measuring the impact of training and learning, I'm not seeing a direct connection. Because the essence of what we're doing with training and learning is taking a look at how human behavior, actions, or performance is influenced based on someone's training or learning experience, right? So that is that is more focused on how people are acting and, and behaving and, and more skills-based, right? Whereas an algorithm relative to how you know we see it play out in social media platforms is more about trying to connect to what resonates with people based on how they are interacting and engaging in the context and environment of a social media platform. So I'm not seeing um, a real connection there. Could there be a connection in the future, maybe as we continue to use artificial intelligence and tools like chat GPT and such? Could be, don't know. Um, that That's a TBD, I think, a, a, to, a to be determined. One place where I, I could imagine that it comes in is with adaptive learning, uh, where, you know, it, it's not so much a case of there's the training intervention, intervention, people go through it, you can see how they interacted with it. it. It, it again, closes the gap there. So if people are having trouble with a particular thing, the system recognizes that and sends them off down a different path where they can concentrate on on learning that so yeah i mean in a sense you can imagine that's kind of doing you out of job because you, you you don't kind of do the intervention the analysis and and you know and then carry on from there it's all done sort of within the system and the adaptive system sends them down the route that they need to uh and you don't need any analysis for that because the algorithm's done it is uh, I, I suppose this is you know this is the hackneyed old hr question are you going to be out of a job <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that particularly, and that's such a great question, because what I'm seeing and hearing a lot um, in terms of the excitement in our community, the training, learning and talent development community, the global community, what I'm seeing is a lot of excitement and anticipation about how AI, artificial intelligence, can enhance what we do as training, learning and talent development professionals. I'm also seeing some fear um, and a little bit of anxiety about the extent to which artificial intelligence and AI tools can quote unquote replace like instructional designers or maybe even replace facilitators. I believe that artificial intelligence will enhance what we do. I don't know that it's gonna replace people. I believe it's gonna empower people. You know, I, I can see where instructional designers can be can be incredibly 
um, important as we enter this AI space. I don't think that the role of an instructional designer will go away. I believe the role of an instructional designer will be enhanced by artificial intelligence. So, you know, certainly I get the fear. Um, I, for one, am very excited about what artificial intelligence, AI, chat GPT, and, and other tools can do for us as a profession. So, you know, again, I think that's another TBD uh, to be determined. I, I'm, I'm excited about it um, and, and very hopeful with uh, the future for what AI can do to drive our work and even how AI might be able to support impact measurement efforts. Sticking with the AI theme, but coming at, at it from a slightly different angle, um, how do you see AI affecting uh, the analysis part of learning measurement? Um, so we, we took a step forward from SCORM with XAPI, uh, but I, I, I've been in a room where um, CLOs have been arguing about, well, I'm not going to bother with X, uh, XAPI. I'm going to get me a data lake and I'm going to use sort of generic analysis tools on that. So I, th I think the question is, will AI kill XAPI? I don't think that AI will kill XAPI, right? When I think about the power of XAPI and learning record stores and, you know, those two play together. Hmm. So when I think about XAPI specifically as it relates to a learning experience, right? With XAPI data, we can get insight into how people are behaving and performing in a learning environment. And more often than that, obviously, we're talking about in um, an electronic or an online or an e-learning environment. So what we can capture with XAPI is, let's say someone creates an e-learning and they create it with XAPI and they include branching, right, in this learning experience. What we're able to get in terms of data with XAPI is insight into the different types of decisions and reactions and responses that people have, the choices that they're making, the decisions that they're making in a learning environment, in an e-learning environment. XAPI does a great job of saying, Kevin clicked on this twice, or Kevin answered that question wrong. And when Kevin answered that question wrong, he made X number of attempts to get it right. Um, Kevin went to this place in this e-learning experience to try to find the answer. So what XAPI is capturing is how is Kevin engaging and interacting in this e-learning environment, right? So that's XAPI, right? So then we talk about artificial intelligence. Now, you know, full transparency, I am a novice in the artificial intelligence space. Uh, I am growing and learning in that space. So from what I'm seeing so far, and, you know, I'm happy to be corrected and, and keep the conversation going, I'm not seeing where artificial intelligence is positioned to do the same thing as XAPI, right? On some levels, maybe we're talking apples and oranges here. Um, XAPI has a very specific purpose <laughs> as it relates to how we use it in creating training and learning solutions. Whereas artificial intelligence has a very specific purpose as well, right? Artificial intelligence, um, as I'm seeing it and as I have experienced it, um, kind of helps you come up with ideas, guides you in the right direction, um, supports you in what you're doing, right? That's a little different than how we think about using XAPI and training and learning solutions. So I don't know that artificial intelligence is going to cancel out um, XAPI. Um, I think that XAPI is going to continue to be an accompaniment to, to SCORM and vice versa. 
So I think that there will be a world where SCORM, XAPI, and artificial intelligence coexist. <laughs> Sounds from what you're saying like it could be a you know could be complementary. I mean, AI is good at uh, recognizing patterns in large data sets and so on. So perhaps if you're trying to look for the effect of your training in uh, data from the rest of the organization, you know, kind of sales performance or, or, or whatever, that's where it can be most useful in spotting kind of correlations with 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 your training data. So it, it, it sounds as if they've all got a role. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds, right? Because we know that artificial intelligence is really no smarter than we are. Artificial intelligence gains its intelligence from us, right? So maybe there will reach a day where we can say to artificial intelligence, take a look at SCORM data, take a look at XAPI data, take a look at LMS data, take a look at business data, and then tell me to what extent did this training solution impact people's uh, behavior and performance actions or organization goals based on this data? Maybe that'll happen someday. Don't know. And maybe it'll happen sooner rather than later, but I'll, I'll be excited to see how it unfolds. Well, we like to take a balanced view of the human being and the learning hack. Um, and I'd like to talk now, if if you don't mind, about your volunteering activities. I've recently oh. done some volunteering activities in a very small way, uh, going to Ukraine and back. Um, oh, very nice. Very nice. But, but you've done a, a, a really huge project here, uh, Meals in the Meantime. What what Can you tell us what it's about and why you're doing it and how you managed to balance that with uh, such a busy career? Yeah, well, well, the balance part is tricky, but I'll start with your first question. And, and thank you for asking and being curious about that. And, and so I did found, uh, started a nonprofit in uh, 2021. It was May of 2021. I started a nonprofit and it's called Meals in the Meantime. We provide free food at pop-up pantries in underserved communities in Chicagoland South, uh, South suburbs here in, in the U.S. We partner with local organizations. We partner with local townships, faith-based organizations, community-based organizations, and we go directly into the community that needs help with food. We are mobile, which means we bring our pantry, we set up, um, we partner with those agencies and organizations, we promote and market our, um, our food pantries, and we serve people who need help with food. You know, our, our belief is that uh, food insecurity is a condition and not a condemnation. And so we are focused on changing the condition with our pop-up food pantries. And at the core of our work is the belief that we serve our, uh, our communities who need help with nourishment and dignity. We focus on free, fresh, healthy, high-quality foods. Uh, we focus on foods that provide natural nutrients to our bodies. And so we're very keen on ensuring that the food we provide is high in nutritional value, high in vitamins. We want to ensure that the food that we provide helps contribute to well-being. And that has really been, I would say, the greatest work that I've done to date. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that I've done as the L&D detective. I'm very proud of the work that I've done to help organizations with their measurement strategies. This work of helping who, people who need food with my, with my nonprofit meals in the meantime it is the most important, most fulfilling work that I have done in my life. And I believe that I am fulfilling a purpose. Uh, I believe that I am walking in purpose with uh, with this work that I'm doing to help people who need food. Thank you for asking. Well, it's 
very inspiring to, to hear all that. Thank you. Lastly, we have to close out now. In the world of learning, who and what are the sources you turn to for knowledge and inspiration? You, you've talked about the the measurement models that that you look look at, but who particularly are the kind of um, the, the the gurus that you favour, if you like, that you follow? Yeah, yeah, and and as you said, I've talked about some uh, already in terms of the models that have really inspired and encouraged and supported me. Um, I also follow and have a relationship with Roy Pollock, right? Roy wrote a book called The Six Disciplines of Breakthrough Learning. And it has been a great source of inspiration to me because its focus is on alignment, right? And I believe that as training, learning, and talent development professionals, we need to ensure that our work is aligned to the organization goals and the organizations uh, that we serve. So when I think about, you know, again, some great people to follow, um, Roy Pollock would be one of them. And again, I would highly recommend his book, The Six Disciplines of Breakthrough Learning, in addition to the to the others that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> we'll put a link to that in, in show notes. Yeah. Kevin M. Yates, thank you so much for that today. I thought it was a really interesting session. And um, I, I, I thought I'd press you fairly hard on some of those questions. <laughs> and uh, that you gave great answers. But thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. You didn't press too hard. I, I love being challenged in terms of my thought, my perspective. I think you did a great job of that. Thank you for inviting me to talk to you today. You're welcome. That's all on the Learning Hack podcast for this time. Many thanks to our guest and to our sponsors. The Learning Hack is completely independent and transparently funded by sponsorship. If you want to help others find us, please like, follow, rate, review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice or on YouTube. Next time, we're venturing into choppy waters with the learning pirate, Lauren Waldman. Yar! Until then, stay curious, learning people.